everyone and welcome back to Culture Bucket, the greatest podcast in the entire universe, um, where we dissect and break down and discuss culture, movies, music, etc. and do lists and all sorts of things. It's always a good time. And uh, this is our 75th episode, which is incredible. It means we've only got another 45 until the big 120, uh, which we can't wait for. We're all very excited for that. And um, today we are going to do a little bit of a Marvel special where we're going to break down and review um, the recent Moon Knight series from Disney+. Plus. We're going to have some Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness spoiler chat, and we might even do a MyTube where we uh, watch the brand, the newest and latest Marvel trailer as well. All of that to come today. And my co-host is looking at me all confused. Uh, <laughs> my name is George. Her name is Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you Hi. doing, George? I'm doing great, thank you. What confused you then? What's I up? I didn't know there was a new Marvel trailer out. You haven't seen the trailer for She-Hulk? No! <laughs> Where have I oh, been? Wow. <laughs> really? That's coming up. She-Hulk. What a name. She-Hulk, yeah. very popular, uh, you know, Jennifer Walters. She's a lawyer. Uh, she's the cousin of Bruce Banner. And um, in the comics, she is... Uh, gunned down by criminals and has to receive a life-saving blood transfusion from her cousin Bruce Banner, which then uh, infuses ah, her with the powers of the Hulk. It. You were just looking very suspicious then, as if it was just going to be like the fact that she's cousins with him will make her a Hulk. No, no. Well, that would be weird. That would be weird. No, it's a blood transfusion, obviously. Um, How lazy, though. She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah, but you have to, you know, I think she was created in the 80s when it was Miss Pac-Man and She-Hulk, etc., um, but she is a popular and strong character in her own right. I really like She-Hulk. I'm excited for the series. Cool. She's, um, you know, the cool thing with her is that she turns into a um, a Hulk. Yeah, she's a Hulk, but she's she's got she still has she's you no know, she's just a big tall green woman. She doesn't go crazy. Ah, she's not like Bruce. she's got super strength and stuff, but she can she can still be mm. a lawyer. Like there's a thing in the comics I think where she's like a lawyer for superheroes when she's the when she's the She Hulk, um, and she has a Deadpool type thing in the comics where she knows she's a comic book character sometimes and will like talk to the talk to the reader and stuff. I don't know if they're gonna do that in the show. We'll see when we watch the trailer in a bit. Anyway, um, that's what we're doing today. It's all Marvel all the time. If you don't like Marvel stuff, then I'm sorry. Um, come back next week. This is Culture Catch Up Time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Um, so, Alex, yep. before we get into the big... Um, Conshu and his fist, etc. Discussion. What have you been doing this week? Okay, so this week uh, I finished a, um, a Russian doll. Okay. Finally, um, and uh, it's the second season. I finished it, and I wasn't really sure how it good it was going to be, how she was going to end it, because it just went a little bit crazy. But I think she ended it really well. It just mm. went. It just went. Uh, uh, further than it was really 
I guess I thought it was interesting that it didn't get bogged down in the specifics of how the time yeah, traveling show works. Yeah, exactly. It does it on a more emotional level. Yes, thank you. I was trying to say that. Like, mm. it was just kind of like more of just it, it didn't need to explain anything. And I think that's why mm. I enjoyed it because I was like, I wonder how things are going to go. But in the end, it doesn't really matter because it, it it's just all about family connections and friendships and and I thought it ended beautifully and I, I, I yeah it's not as good as the first one like you said you know if we had to compare them but I really really enjoyed it and I felt it was um lots of love in there and I think um it, it was good it was a good uh, second season and uh, I'm mm. not sure if they're going to be a third season has it been announced uh, I don't think they've announced the third season yet. I hope so. Uh, Netflix are going through all, so many kind of weird troubles and problems and issues and, uh, over the past few weeks that um, it's hard to keep up with what they're doing. But um, I really hate hopefully. that. I hope Netflix doesn't what? disappear. No, it's not going to disappear, is it? But I think that they're just trying to... They're struggling to work out how to carry on as a business in terms of not having constant growth all the time anymore and like what that means for their ability to put out original content and stuff but they're not going to go anywhere um they've just announced i did <laughs> just announced the running times for the new season of stranger things have you seen w- what's happening there yeah are they not like longer than films or something yeah it's crazy let me see if i can find the um like here the, it is. they're as long as films or longer like longer so like season- long, long films see so yeah, the, this is season four, episodes one to six are each going to be about an hour and 15 minutes. Episode seven is going to be an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Episode eight is going to be an hour and 25 minutes. And episode nine is two and a half hours long. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And if every episode has a budget of $30 million. Wow. Yeah, which is all exciting if you're a big Stranger Things fan, except... For the fact that it really, really has big echoes of um, when the final season of Game of Thrones was about to air. Mm. And they were talking up how every episode was like as long as a film and this, that and the other and what the budgets were. And then mm. it all it came out and, you know, they'd pumped, pumped loads of money into it to make these big extravagant episodes and forgotten to actually make it compelling or engaging or interesting. So, and so did uh, Game we'll of Thrones not end very well? No, quite famously, people were not keen on the ending. I think I was probably a bit kinder on the ending than than, than the general consensus was, but even I was a bit nonplussed by uh, how it all ultimately wrapped up. And that entire final season is a bit of a mixed bag, to, to put it lightly. How many seasons oh, of uh, Game of Thrones did they do? Eight. It's a long... Yeah. It is long, but they could, have d- they could have done 10 to 11, and I think that's part of why... The eighth season didn't totally work as they tried to really squeeze a lot of plot development into um quite a short span. Anyway, let's not get bogged down in no. Westeros. Uh, no. What else? Russian Doll. The Russian Doll. I finished it. Uh, Netflix is it series, and because you know I'm I'm uh, I haven't spent much time on Netflix, so I felt a little bit nostalgic and you know all the crap that's happening. So I watched a net a Netflix film, uh, with um called uh, Lovebirds. Love birds. Yeah, with Issa Rae, which I love. That's why I watched okay, the film. Yes. A, yeah. uh, I hope I say his name right. Kumail Nanjani. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and like camp like they're the main characters, but then there's like little cameos, one from Anna Camp. Uh we we see it. she's in Pitch Perfect. Um mm. uh Carl uh Bornheimer, he's in um Brooklyn Nine Nine and you know just various cameos but they are the like the main people that are uh, on the on on screen and um it's a it's a kind of a romantic comedy but also a bit like a romantic comedy thrillery <laughs> and it's about uh, this couple uh, which are Isare and Kumal Nanjani and um they're a couple that kind of argue a lot and uh, they're always like trying to uh, have, you know, be right and stuff. And they are witnesses uh, to a murder, but they're convinced that they are the ones that are going to be blamed. So they uh, they go around trying to figure out what this murder is and a kind of murder mystery. And it's this kind of like film... Mm that you know those films that like there's lots of like different scenes in different places so they the first they sort of see the murder and then that takes them to uh, another um situation with different characters and that situation with different characters then sends them to another thing you know those kind of like what are they called those films that um kind of move around um i don't know that there's a term for them but i know it's quite common for comedies yeah yeah like um Game night is one I can think of where they just are moving through. Yeah, a bit like that, and um, and it hasn't had very good reviews, but it's actually really fun to watch. It, it's one of the best kind of romantic comedies I've seen in in a while, and because it actually is funny, there are some really funny moments. And uh, Issa Rae and Kumal um, Nanjani are real they're really good together and they have real nice chemistry and you they're believable as a couple and they're they're fun to watch and together they bring this like fun comedy and i i really enjoyed it i didn't think i was i was gonna like Mm. it so much i didn't think it was gonna be so funny because you know it has it's really simple it was also also only like an hour and 26 minutes so it's like really fast-paced it's lots of like scene changing, a uh, scene changes, uh, lots of things happening, but it's real, really funny, and uh, yeah, I I I really enjoyed it. So um, if uh, if you fancy uh, giving Netflix a little bit of uh, time, <laughs> I know you're loving your Apple TV Plus at the moment. Um, oh yeah, I think Love Lovebirds is a good Sunday morning film comedy. It's really good. Hmm. Cool. And I I love Isaray. Uh, since Insecure has finished, um, I kind of miss her. I don't I don't see her enough. So, I needed a little bit of dose of Isaray. Yeah, that's fine. I don't think I've seen Isaray in anything really, but um, I know that you mm. really like her. No, I'm sure I've seen it. What have I seen her in? What have I seen her in? Mm, Isaray. Mm. What have you seen mm. her in? So. Mm. Uh, Maybe nothing. Yeah, maybe, maybe nothing, maybe nothing. But I'm sure I will. I mean, she's in the, uh, she's in the Barbie movie, which is interesting. Yeah. You excited about the Barbie movie? I I have no idea. 
Should I be? Interesting. Uh, I think so. It's 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 getting a weird amount of um. It stars Margot Robbie as Barbie. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Is there... And it stars Ryan Gosling as Ken. You're gonna. Uh, go on. Ryan? But it's been it's been Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, the... Sorry, I was thinking about yeah. Ryan Reynolds. No, God, no, not Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Gosling. Um, yeah, and it's been written and directed by uh, Greta Gerwig. Who made Little Women and I'm Lady so Bird and stuff? Yeah, yeah. And this week it's come out that there's going to be multiple, like no one really knows what the film's about, but it's starting to leak out this week that there's going to be multiple Barbies and multiple Kens in the movie. Yeah, and I think maybe Issa Rae is going to play a Barbie. Um, Simu Liu is in it, I think, playing another Ken. So I think you're going to have like multiple Barbies and Kens of multiple sort of races and ethnicities. Wow. Um, to what end and to what plot, I don't know. Will Ferrell's in there as well. Um, but also Emma McKay and Kuti Gatwa are in it. Yep, 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 what? yep. And Emma Mackey looks looks very similar to Margot Robbie. I don't yeah. know if there's a reason why there. <laughs> but, wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it sounds crazy mad. Um, but then Simu Liu, you know he plays Shang Chi, that, yeah. uh, that actor. Yeah. He, I think he did an interview this week where he said that his agent said to him something like, "This is the best script I've read in twenty years." Uh, people are really excited and hyped about it, but no one actually knows what it is. And <laughs> Connor Swindles, um, what's his name from um, his Sex Education? Adam, Adam from Sex Education, isn't it? Oh really? Yeah, Nicola Coughlin from uh, Derry Girls. America Ferreira. Wow, Michael Cera, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Wow, there's a cast and a half. Yep. So keep your eyes peeled for Barbie. It's um, you know, people are pretty hyped for it. Is it? Is it gonna? Is there a trailer? No, or literally the only thing they've released so far is a um photograph of Margot Robbie in like the classic pink Barbie Corvette. Car. That sounds. I don't know. Oh well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be more interesting than just. I mean, I don't know what a Barbie movie would be if you weren't <laughs> no. if you weren't if you weren't trying if you were making the Transformers movie equivalent of a Barbie movie. Yeah. It would just be a romantic comedy, I guess, a really vapid romantic comedy. But yeah. I, that's not what this is. No. This is something different. So um, yeah, wow. we'll see. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. Anyway. Yeah, Anywho. so that's where that's where we'll see Issa Rae in the future. But for now, you've been watching her in um, Love Lovebirds, and I, yeah. I think, I think you might enjoy it. I don't know. I've got this feeling that there's some real fun bits that I was actually cackling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might watch it. I might watch it. I, I, I have a lot of time for. Well, I'm like I said, I haven't seen Issa Rae in anything, but I, I understand that she's amazing. So um, and yeah, I like. Kamel Nanjiani, so yeah. Um, and then, uh, last thing I'm going to talk about today is uh, an album that you mentioned and I started listening to because we thought oh. we were going to do a special, but but we're not. But I really, really enjoyed it and I think it's a album recommendation. And oh, okay. it's um, the newest uh, release by uh, Jack White, uh, the album Fear of, Do- of the Dawn. Fear of the Dawn, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten that we were talk. We were gonna. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm. I've not really listened to Jack White by himself since the White Stripes. Like not really much, and I really enjoyed this album. I thought it was great, and I listened to it a lot. And it's really, a 
it's really fun to drive to and because I, like, I I tend to listen uh, to music in the car and it's really good fun and really good I really enjoyed it what did you think because you like have like a much more um you're more of an expert on Jack White than me uh I don't know that I'd describe myself like that but I he, he um I'm a, I'm a big fan of the White Stripes uh yeah. Me and my brother, it's one of the things that me and my brother bond on a lot is that we both like Jack White quite a bit. Mm. Uh, and then his solo. So have you not listened to his other solo albums? Not really, no. I've listened to songs, but I've never listened to like an album. Okay, cool. Mm. So this is his fourth solo album. Yeah. Uh, and he's done, um, what was the first one? I can't remember. Uh, uh, Blunder, Blunderbuss was the first one. Mm. And that felt like, that was good, but it felt like a collection of songs that maybe he'd written for the White Stripes yeah. and then used. So it wasn't didn't stray that far from his White Stripes sound. Then he did an album called Lazaretto, which is good, but again, it's very sort of straight down the middle, what you expect from him. Then he did an album called Boarding House Reach, which is all over the place mm. and is really, really good and has just got, like, the songs that sound like they were, like, Victorian-era weird little sort of songs. I can't quite fully describe it, but there's there's, there's lots of madness on Boarding House, which is a cool album. And then this album, Fear of the Dawn, seems to bring all of those previous ideas together. It's heavier than he's ever been before mm. in parts. And again, it's full of weird little experimental touches yeah. and things like uh, the song Heidi Ho with Q-Tip, I, for example. Oh, I lo- <laughs> That's one of my favourite, actually. I really like that song. Good. I like that song as well. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's um, weird. That was one where Pitchfork gave that song a really bad review. It's, um, I like it because it's quite an eclectic album, but I ha- it, it does have a flow, which is good. And Yeah, it definitely does. I haven't listened to it loads and loads, but I like the single. I like Heidi Ho. I like um, the other single that he put out from it and stuff, and it's pretty good. I think the thing I dislike about it the most is the cover art. <laughs> the cover art is, is terrible. It's weird. It looks like, like, it doesn't make it any like sense. It looks like a bad flash animation from the early noughties. Yeah. Or something. Um, it's strange. But do you know this is the first of two albums he's got coming out? Yeah. Yeah. So the second album's coming out in July, I mm. think. So maybe when that album comes out, we could do like a, a bumper special on both of his yeah. albums and talk about, you know, the, the sort of... Because it, it feels like... Because I think the first track on this album... And there's the last track on the next album with the same song, but done differently. Oh, wow. So it feels like it's like one complete mm. project that is split into two separate sort of discs, as it were. So I think maybe we should reconvene and talk more about Jack White later. Definitely. And I'll, I'll, I'll have a listen like to uh, his other albums as well, so I can have like an idea of how his... You uh... should def- yeah, <laughs> definitely do that. Definitely listen to his first one. Mm. And definitely listen to Boarding House Reach, the really experimental one. Mm. Um because they're both they're both fantastic. The the second album's okay, but you could broadly get by without really listening mm. to it. But uh, those that first and third one are, are really cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm, but yeah. Cool. I like it. Yeah. And that is it for this week. Some good stuff. Yeah. Some good stuff. A TV show, a movie, and an album. What yeah. else could you possibly want? Amazing. Yeah. Um. I also have got some music and a film and a TV show to, to, to quickly discuss. Um, last night I went out in Manchester to the uh, Pink Room at Yes to watch the band Black Country New Road. <laughs> Sorry. What's wrong? That's like you were talking in uh, in code. At Pink Room in Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, well, there's this, there's a, there's a sort of nightclub bar thing in Manchester called Yes, and they have various rooms. Ah, okay. Um, but I've only ever been to the Pink Room. I've seen a few bands at the Pink Room. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a good little, it's a tiny little venue. But anyway, I saw Black Country New Road, which we, who we've Amazing. talked about before. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they've put out two albums so far in their career for the first time and answered them up there. And then just as they um, were sort of on top of the world, like a week before their second album came out, which is which was then met with like rave reviews and five stars across the board yeah. kind of thing, uh, their lead singer Isaac Wood announced that he was departing the band due to um, sort of mental health concerns, it seems, mm. which is um, uh, absolutely 100% within his rights to do. Yeah. And, you know, the band are really supportive of him for doing that. And um, they've decided to kind of continue on without him and uh, see what they can do moving forwards with, with sort of different singers or someone else mm. in, the, in their place of a front man. And hopefully Isaac Wood can be happier and healthier and, you know, everyone can, can have yeah. what they want, which is great. So they announced then, so they cancelled the big tour they were doing for their second album. Mm. And then a couple of months later, they've announced this much smaller, intimate tour in mm. small venues where they are own, they're not playing any material from their first two albums and they're only playing new songs that they've written. Okay. In, or, in order to, you know, kind of, I think, try and work out where they go from here sort mm. of thing. Yeah. Um. So I got a ticket to that because it was it seemed like something that would be really interesting to see mm. and it was and i think that ultimately uh, if i was going to report back from it it seems like they are still black country new road ah nice like within they felt you could feel this tension lift from the crowd within mm. about 30 seconds of the first song where it's like oh they still sound like the same band yeah. like the music sounds the same or not the same like moving forwards and stuff but um they they have that same energy and that same vibe and it was interesting to see, you know, for, they have, uh, who was up on stage, was a guitarist, a bassist, um, a saxophonist who also played the flute, hmm. um, At the same a time. keyboardist. No, like some some songs he'd pull out the flute, some songs he'd pull out the, the saxophone. Uh, <laughs> a, dr- a drummer, yeah. a violinist, and a keyboard player. So there was a lot of people crammed onto the one tiny stage. Wow. And at various points, you know, the saxophonist put his saxophone down to sing, the keyboardist sang a couple of tunes, um, but by, by far the bassist, um, she sang the most songs and her voice was pretty good and it all oh, seemed to kind of Nice. I didn't realise there was a, there was <clears throat> a uh, female bassist. Yeah, well, the bassist is a lady, the keyboardist is a lady, and the violinist is a lady as well. Wow, so I did not know. I think it's an, there's six members, and I think it's an even split between uh, boys and girls at the moment in the mm. band, it would seem. Um, although it wasn't the normal violinist, because she couldn't make it, but it's I think their normal violinist is also uh, a lady. Um, but no, they were really good. It was a really fun mm. time, and I'm really, really excited to see what comes out of them in the future. They definitely played at least two songs that seemed like fantastic possible singles from a future record so mm. uh, hopefully we'll we'll see more from them and in um uh slightly not connected to black country new road news but sort of uh, just sad news to mention is do you remember when we did our top five um noughties bands mm-hmm. episode and you had to listen to misty's big adventure yeah the uh, they announced on Facebook the other day that the lead singer uh, passed away uh, <gasps> last weekend. Oh no! Yeah, no, really sad about that. Oh. Um. So rest in peace to Grandmaster Gareth. He was uh, an amazing yeah. musician and human being, and I mm. saw them live 
I saw them live three or four times and they were always absolutely incredible. Mm. And um, uh, they didn't say the cause of his death, mm. but they put a link to the, the mental health charity mm. mind at the, end, at the end of the announcement. So um, just in general terms, always, mm. you know, support each other and seek help when we need to, etc. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so after that, I also, so yesterday I watched, um, after coming back from the Black Country New Road gig, I watched the latest movie that has hit Disney Plus, which we watched the trailer for a few weeks ago on my tube, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, is it on? Already? Yes, it's on. When? Yes, it's on already. Now it came out yesterday. Oh, I was out yesterday and I didn't come <laughs> home and watch a film. I came home and went to sleep. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Um... <laughs> So, Chippendale Rescue Rangers is the uh, live-action animation hybrid movie that aims mm. to revitalise uh, the Disney characters, Chip and Dale, the two chipmunks, mm. and takes the slightly meta approach that they are a pair of actors mm. who starred in a TV show called Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers in the 90s, and now, 30 years later, are, are estranged <laughs> and washed up. One of them has had surgery to be CGI and... Um, <laughs> Spends his time going around conventions uh, to try and coast on past glories, and everyone has become a button-down insurance salesman, hmm. and uh, is still a hand-drawn animated cartoon character. And uh, their co-star from their earlier TV show, Monterey Jack, is kidnapped, and um, they set off on a quest to try and rescue him, and is filled to the brim with in jokes and references and cameos and meta humor about Hollywood, etc., etc., etc. Um. It's direct, It's kind of produced by, directed by, written by, created by um, various members of the Lonely Island, the um, yeah. musical comedy mm. group, Akiva Schaefer from that group, directed it, and Andy Samberg from that group uh, voices Chip mm. or Dale, one of the two. Let me make sure which one, because the other one is voiced by John Mulaney, who is a fantastic comedian who's married to Olivia Munn, and they are a great couple of people. John Mulaney voices Chip, and uh, Andy Samberg voices Dale. Mm. So, um, I was pretty, like, not, like, really, really hyped, incredibly excited to watch it kind of thing, but I was pretty keen to watch this movie when I could because mm. the trailers were fun, and it looked like yeah. a good, fun time. And um, ultimately, having watched it, it is that. It's a good, oh, fun good. time. It's mm. not a masterpiece. It's not going to changed the world but i really enjoyed the hour and 40 minutes i spent with it um and i think how much you enjoy it will depend on your tolerance for cameos and references to ip from other places okay and and how much you enjoy being like oh i remember that i recognize that mm. uh in particular and i'll do we'll do a skip five minutes ahead if you don't want um too many spoilers i won't oh. spoil it too much for you either because you I haven't don't... seen it but there's there's oh. one thing I, there's oh. one thing i want to talk about <laughs> That spoilers. You... No, I'm not going to give you many spoilers. Okay. I'm going to mention one thing because I think it's interesting and fun. But I don't think you would care about it. Okay. No, I won't spoil it. Okay. You go away and watch it and we'll talk okay. about it next time. I'll watch it tonight. Um. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, it was ultimately, it's like a free star movie. It's a solid, good, fun time. <laughs> it's got... Um, yeah, well, because it's sort of... It struggles to justify being a film in certain parts. It feels occasionally at times like it's 
a bunch of just different sort of set pieces and references strung together mm. into like an hour and a half. So it's not like a masterpiece, but it and it also it like I, I was I was thinking about Rod, who found Red Rabbit when I watched it, partly because Roger Rabbit is in it for a second. Okay, but like uh, it definitely makes you think of Roger Rabbit, mm. and I think something that Roger Rabbit had that this doesn't have along with all of the like you know in roger rabbit you got a famous scene where like mm. mickey mouse and now donald duck and daffy duck are playing the the piano together and stuff and you got warner brothers and disney characters interacting and that kind of had never happened before mm. and you've got similar things in this where like it's not just disney characters that pop up in this movie they've managed to convince um various other studios to allow their ip to turn mm. up in the film which is interesting and cool at times but Roger Rabbit also felt kind of risky and a slight, a little bit adult. And like when you were watching mm. it as a kid, it it almost felt like you shouldn't be watching yeah. it. You were watching something. Yeah, definitely. This very much feels like a Disney movie. It's like very sanitized. There's mm. not any real. Although I read on IMDb that it's the first Disney movie ever to include swear words or something like. Because somebody says hell in it or something at some point, but it's not. Is it's hell not like a swear word. Apparently so. But it's not like it's not like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where you like. Oh, is that why people com- say "What the heck" instead what of "What the, the hell"? Yeah, exactly. Because they oh want to say "hell" because they're invoking damnation, aren't they? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Wow, it, the, last, uh, the last the uh, last artwork I did kind of was a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's fine. You know, I don't care. Um, <laughs> We're allowed to be PG, I think, in our artwork. Um, but it's pretty... It, yeah, and it's got, you know... So despite that sort of slightly sanitised mm. feel and the feeling of it being maybe a little bit too many references all strung together, Andy Samberg and John Mulaney do a really good job in the lead roles. It's mm. very funny, and you've got plenty of like good... Like John J.K. Simmons' voices, uh, stop-motion animated uh, plasticine um, detective. And mm. that's pretty pretty great. So you know it's got a lot to enjoy, Jake. and also and J.K. Simmons is everywhere. Yeah, he really he really yeah. is. As soon as he turns <laughs> up on screen, I was like, is that like he's not on screen? But as soon as his voice appeared, I was like, what is why is J.K. Simmons? What? In? <laughs> it disappears. Um, it just pops. Hi. Yeah. Um. Right. Okay. So moving on. Moving mm. on. Moving on. The last thing I'm going to talk about is I've watched the first four episodes of the Apple TV Plus series, Shining Girls. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. Shining Girls is a um, serial killer thriller oh. show uh, in the vein of, you know... Um, serial killer science, thriller. Yeah, serial killer thriller. Psychological killer thriller. Um, your mind hunters, your silences of the lambs, your zodiacs, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, but this time we've got um, Elizabeth Moss in our oh, lead role. Of course. So... Now you know why I've watched it, yeah. along with my need to watch anything that's to do with serial killers. Elizabeth Moss is in it, along with Philippa Sue, who played um, Eliza Hamilton in the Hamilton stage recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamie Bell, who um, I don't have a particular affinity for, but he's a great actor. Um, you know, he played, uh, what's his name, the, 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 the dancing boy, Billy, Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. Um, so the setup of The Shining Girls is it's set in early 90s Chicago. Um, this is important because it means that people can't just call each other on their cell phone. 
they have to um you know use the yeah. landline etc and uh answering machine little cassettes that play in answering machines are relevant in the plot and stuff like that so it very much uses its time zone uh elizabeth moss plays a character named what's the name of her character i hear you screaming at me and i'll tell you now her character is called da, 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 da. kirby oh yeah that's right yeah she plays kirby um so yeah, Elizabeth Moss is Kirby. She is a survivor of a horrific attack years earlier where a man crept up behind her, attacked her, subdued her, cut her... Sorry for good trigger warning for grotesque uh, description in a moment. Um, cut her open and left a matchbook inside her, uh, which later revealed to be a matchbook for a bar. But when she went to the bar, the, the address was for a laundrette and she checked the records and no bar by that name had ever been at that location. Uh, she um, is very sort of timid and shy and clearly enormously affected by the attack that she survived mm. and works as a sort of porter in the Chicago Sun newspaper uh, where she goes and collects um, archival materials for journalists who are investigating stories. And one day she comes across uh, a murder that she realises is potentially connected to, linked to the, the the person who attacked her because of similarities. And she sets off on a journey of discovering mm-hmm. who attacked her, why they attacked her, why he's killing other women and what's going on. All within it, we have got... Um, what uh, We've got time travelling antics occurring, which are revealed oh. pretty early. Along with multiverse-esque multiverse yeah the the world is obsessed with the multiverse yeah it's weird everything is hit at once we've got the doctor strange in the multiverse of madness we've got everything everywhere all at once we've got mm-hmm. the shining girls and we've got the video game multiversus which is a, a fighting game where scooby-doo and batman can have a fight um <laughs> and it's it's rubbish but so the, the shining girls seems amazing it's incredibly well made. It's incredibly well acted. Elizabeth Moss has, you know, in some ways made a career out of playing um, yeah. victim, you know, victimised women, um, which is a really crass way of describing it. But, you know, she's in The Invisible Man and in The Handmaid's Tale and then mm. The Shining Girls. You know, she is very capable of playing a woman who has survived trauma and is dealing with that trauma. Like, she's incredibly good at that. So she is great in this. Jamie Bell is very good as, you know pretty uh, it's, it's obvious immediately that he's the killer like there's no there's no like question on who the killer is it's jamie bell um and then the the, the but mm. i got to episode four and i still didn't understand what was going on it's by combining time travel elements with sort of interdimensional multiversal elements yeah you've got no idea where you are at any point in time nice. and it's so confusing and I really like it and I think I'm going to keep going with it because I just like the vibe of it and the tone of it and mm. the atmosphere of it but yeah if you're going to watch it you have to kind of go in knowing that you're just going to have to watch the first three and a half hours of this show constantly on the back foot not really understanding what's going on and on the on the trust that eventually it will start to pull itself together into something that makes sense and is mm. actually quite tense and quite interesting um like in the fourth episode there's a there's a few confrontations that happen and you learn you learn a few more bits and pieces of information it does start to become quite cool 
And yeah, no, so I'm going to carry on watching that and hopefully it'll be good. And it's based on a book that people like, so hopefully it has a you know good resolution coming. But mm. um, God, it's I've like I don't think I'm that like I watch a lot of TV and movies. I, I don't think I'm that difficult to confuse. I tend <laughs> no. to keep I tend to keep up with things quite well. <laughs> And even I've been watching The Shining Girls going, what, I just, why is she, why is her hair long now? It was short a minute ago. What's going on? Oh. Anyway, it's because she's in a different dimension. I Maybe. <laughs> like, I'm. there might actually be no multiverse stuff at all in it. I don't know. It just, that's my only way of explaining what I've seen in it so far. Okay. Anyway. Interesting. Um, yeah, interesting indeed. Right, that's all my culture catch-up. Thank Love you for it. listening. Um, shall we move swiftly on to some MyTube? Oh, yes, please. I've got two very exciting things to show you, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Okay, Barbie? First, not Barbie. There's no... <laughs> you sounded like a sort of... Ex- you sounded like the dog in Up then. <laughs> what? Ba- Barbie? <laughs> just a, just excited for a thing, just only focused on the one thing you want. Barbie? Is it Barbie trailer? Barbie? No, it's the She-Hulk trailer, Alex. Okay. I'll send it to you now uh, on the official Marvel Entertainment channel. And we can watch that. And then I've got something even more mad and crazy and insane to show you after. Yeah. So I am ready to play. Okay. I've got a three, two, one, go. Okay, we're in a city. Being a superhero is a trial. Oh, it's a trial. Who's going to protect the world if not people like you? Fantastic. Who's this? Oh, She-Hulk. She's pretty muscly. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Walters. I'm a lawyer. I have great yeah. friends. Can we get some shots, please? It's an emergency. A uh, demanding job. We just started a superhuman law division, and I want you to be the... Oh, what's Ooh, his name? A bit of, bit of Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. Bit of the Hulk. Is that actually him? Yeah, that's actual Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Those are like the baseline of any woman just existing. <laughs> Funny jokes. So Bruce is trying to kill her, but how? The she, when she gets that angry, she becomes uh, the She-Hulk, yeah. Well, she obviously does at the start, but she does end up being able to control it. Can you tell us where She-Hulk is? Jen, you're a story now. I don't really. Girl, your ass looks crazy right now. Like the CGI, but hopefully I'll get used to it. Oh, she could be an Avenger. That is for billionaires and narcissists and adult orphans mm. for some reason. It looks interesting. Is there anything more depressing than dating in your 30s? Yeah, this is the best date I've had in a while. Oh. Should we split 
some fries? Let's get those to go. Oh. It looks... I think it'll be fun to watch. I'm not very good with this CGI. Well, I'm not... Like, it's a trailer, so there's no... Like, the CGI will be different in the final thing. Okay. Probably, so let's not worry about... But yeah, it looks... Looks like fun. Yeah, it looks uh, like a um probably like a nineties old school kind of sitcom. Yeah. And when is it is it coming out on Disney Plus, of course? It's coming out on Disney Plus in August, I think like August sort of fifteenth, mid August time. And uh Tatiana Maslany is playing Jennifer Walters and I like her a lot, so I'm quite excited. Hmm. Never seen her before, I don't think. She's in she starred in a TV show called Orphan Black that oh. is very very good so that's that now next i'm going to show you um the trailer for three thousand years of logging have you heard of this no okay so this is the new movie from um george miller do you know george miller oh, i don't think so so george miller directed every single mad max film including fury road oh okay uh, so i do with, know a bit yeah <laughs> Along with Babe, Pig in the City, and um, uh, <laughs> Happy Feet One and Happy Feet Two, what? so he's an eclectic. He's an eclectic director. Amazing. Now, the trailer I'm about to show you. Before you see anything of it, yeah, it it was described as being a low key palate cleanser between Fury Road and the upcoming prequel to Fury Road, Furiosa, where Anya Taylor yeah. Joy is playing Charlie's friends. So this is what he did in between, and this is his idea of a small-scale, okay. kind of more restrained film, supposedly, that was described as like just a conversation between two people. So you watch the trailer and see your, what your take on, on that okay. description is. Um, right, let me know when you're ready to watch it. I've just sent you the link now. So, yeah, I'm ready when you're ready. Okay, Oh, I three... can already see... Um, what's her name? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton is already go. on screen, so mm. that's definitely not a small film then. Yeah. Okay. I've got a three, two, one, go. Okay. It already looks mad. <laughs> My name is Alephine. My story is true. I think Wes Anderson vibes in that very first little yeah. shot. Yeah. Of the book. It's very like uh, in the um, symmetric. The but in Grand Bazaar of Istanbul, I chose a monitor. I like it. Whatever. Oh, I love Tilda Swinton. She's yeah, so she's, amazing. She's always great. Yeah. Uh, oh, this <laughs> is a small palate cleanser. There's. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she just, I think a genie just came out of a lamp. Yep. Yeah. I, oh, is that Idris Elba? It is indeed. Wow. With with elf okay. ears. Okay. So. Oh, naked people. <laughs> okay. So it's an adventure film with a. With a genius, genie. I think it's mostly those two having a conversation in that hotel room and then flashbacks and stuff to show what wow. this genie's done before. I think that's what it is. Really? I think so. 
Wow. Why does Idris Elba look so, look so different? Because he's playing a, a, a djinn, a genie, isn't he? So he's done up to look sort of fantastical and otherworldly. Yeah. It's It's been described as an adult fairy tale. Uh, it looks mad and <laughs> bizarre. It looks weird, but I really want to watch it. Oh yeah, I really want to watch it. Um, so it premiered yesterday out of competition at the Cannes Film Festival yeah. and supposedly received a six-minute standing ovation. Um, but six. I've, I've, yeah, I know it's but can really can. I know it is weird. I've heard of films before getting like twenty minutes standing ovations at Cannes, so I don't really know what it means when a film gets a six. I don't know if that means it's good or disappointing. I've no idea. <laughs> like, like if it's less than a, if it's less than a ten minute standing ovation, does that mean it's terrible? I literally, yeah. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, <laughs> How can you clap for twenty minutes? That's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would stop after thirty seconds and yeah, be like, oh, it's like well done. I'm not good. Like I mean, I would say like yeah. a standing ovation. That's good, but like twenty yeah. minutes, six, even six yeah. minutes. Like oh my goodness. Yeah, but can can the Cannes Film Festival has its, its own set of rituals and rules and things that people ah, do. Okay, and it's all so a bit the more of clapping, the better the film is. Yeah, and like ah. people will walk out, and I think even if they don't hate the movie, they'll walk out because it's like a thing you do at Cannes as you walk out of a movie yeah. if you think it's not not amazing. Um, <gasps> that's one thing that they do in opera. Um, oh really? In uh, I think it's Parma, a place in Italy. Um, in this, if if the opera is bad, you can shout and say this is shit and walk off. <laughs> <laughs> you can go. This is crap, and then just like leave, and people just shout to the people because they're That's really great. critical of their opera. That's great. Can you imagine Good. being there? I would love to go and see a bad opera there. Uh, I would not. But so a can is the same. You just yeah, go. Apparently, just say, oh, there, so. there's merde. And then you walk <laughs> off. Exactly. <laughs> merde. Yeah, it's, it's merde. <laughs> uh, so I think that premiered. And also that, that um, David Cronenberg movie that I upset you by showing in the trailer for. That's oh. premiering at Cannes soon. So we'll have some word about what that's meant to be like um, happening. They put out a bigger, longer trailer for that, but I didn't dare show you it. Have you seen it? <laughs> I've seen the new trailer. Is I've it, not is seen it the worst? Film. Is yeah, it worse? yeah, oh yeah, no. yeah, it's worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, it's, it's, it's gonna make people sick. I think that film. Um, Are we going back to the seventies, where in sixties, seventies, where like films like actually make people feel nauseous? I hope so. Let's get some interesting, like you know, as much as I love Marvel films, and we're about to talk about them. Like, let's get weird, crazy, transgressive cinema going. Yes, art should no. be. No, that's not okay. Art shouldn't be sickening. Yes, it should. I disagree. It should just provoke a, a reaction. And yeah, but not a reaction where like your eyes are sewn together and your Well that's why that's why horror and comedy are the purest forms of art because they they, prov they provoke physical reactions in their audience. Laughter and fear. Do you think I should watch the new Revolution. trailer? 
for crimes of the future. Yeah. I mean, we can do it if you want to, but I don't think you'll like it. I know you won't like it. I kind of want to watch it. All right, okay, I'll find it for you. <laughs> David Cronenberg, what did he? What has he done? Uh, the Fly. Yeah, that's it. Good. No, The Fly. Um, <laughs> shivers, Scanners. Um, Barcodes. Oh, oh, shut up! No, David Cronenberg's made. <laughs> He's he's a he's an abs he's a legend he's incredible uh Eastern Eastern Promises mm-hmm. um everything okay have you got the link let me know when you need to watch it okay there's a, a advert Rabbit he did Rabbit mm. um that one about psych- Sigmund Freud um okay one minute forty one yeah all right you ready mm-hmm. okay three two one go. Okay, so it's a brand new organ. Never before seen. So some she's scanning somebody's belly. We've all felt that the body was empty. Video drone, that's another one. Empty is meaningless. So the body is empty. And we've wanted to confirm that. So that we could fill it with meaning. Okay. <laughs> the world is a much more dangerous place oh. now that pain. It's all but disappeared. What? I don't understand. It's the pit. Oh, why are they cutting themselves? Surgery is sex. Surgery is sex. Oh! <laughs> this guy's got stuff where it's not supposed to be. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, surgery is the new sex. So, ah. Uh, like so, what they want to do? They like start cutting each other and it's enjoyable. Yep. Oh, what is he doing? Which is why I keep cutting it up. Viggo is there, Viggo Mortensen. He has not changed. Outer space. And oh, wow. oh. Oops. So he just cut and then oh just put like something in something. And then So people want to feel pain. That's the new way to create that will guide us into the heart of darkness. Okay, this is better than the trailer that you showed me before, because the trailer you showed me before (laughs) was like three seconds of like organs where they're not supposed to be, things in the eye, cutting, 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 and at least this one was a little bit more expanded. (laughs) Yeah, but it had all of that as well. And then it had Leah Sadow sticking her tongue in Viggo Mortensen's oh. chest wound. So, so basically, crime of the future is going to be something about uh, we enjoy pain. Um, so, do we know why there's no why pain has become like sex, or will we find out in the film? Um, I don't think it's pain; it's surgery, like growing organs and having designer organs. That guy with the <laughs> organs not where they're supposed to be is disgusting. Exactly. I don't think I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> That's I. I would be surprised if you did. Right. <laughs> That's just too much. Um. Uh, okay. Uh, shall we get into our special review? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We definitely need to make a a, a jingle. 
This is our special, 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 oh, oh, be like, spe- spe- special review. Oh, it could be like, hello, excuse me, uh, could you tell me today's specials, please? Oh, yes, of course, today's special <laughs> is, and then we go, Moon Knight. <laughs> or, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Or, Midnight Mass. Right? <laughs> it, it, I think it should be like that. Just okay. a really quick one. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. What's the special? Oh, of course, young man. It's Moon Knight. Why, young <laughs> Of course, young squire. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, my, my liege, my liege. <laughs> the special of the day. Do you know what it be? Oh, of course, my 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 squire. Um, it's Moon Knight. <laughs> just like that. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. <laughs> then we can we just have to remember each episode to say the name of the special, so yeah. it can come the jingle can go out into that. Yeah. So we'll do it now. Moon Knight. And then we'll begin. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Um, or you could go, Moon Knight. Oh, well, you can do that. Well, you should try. Go. Uh, uh, moon Knight. <laughs> okay, should we start? Moon Knight. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we should I'm start. A- okay, good. Um... So this was a Disney Plus show. Yeah. In the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you wouldn't know that if not for two extremely small references. Um, yeah. It's entirely disconnected, really, from the rest of the MCU, which is apparently what um, attracted stars Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke to the show in the first place. Mm. Um, and it follows the adventures of Stephen Grant, mild mannered gift shop worker at the British Museum as he learns and discovers the truth about his own identity and um, his place in the world. Mm. That's a fair description, would you say? Yeah. Um, what did you think before we started? What, 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 before going into it, what was your sort of take on what this was going to be? When we watched the trailer, I thought it, it looked really uh, different uh, from mm-hmm. the, the, like, the Marvel Universe now. Mm-hmm. And I quite liked the darkness of it uh, in the trailer. So I th- I was quite excited to see something a little bit darker in the Marvel Universe. Which and do you, do you think you got that? Oh, the first episode, definitely. I think mm. in the first episode, I definitely got what I wanted. And then it kind of, it, it kind of maybe went a little bit less what i was expecting and uh, and then and then but then it 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 it, it did um not that i didn't enjoy it it wasn't as dark as i thought it could be i think some of the episodes were the darkest i could imagine it ever being but mm. i mean that in the literal sense of i was watching it going i can't see what's going on why is it so dark ah uh, yeah that yeah that uh, also was very confusing there were some bits where like why are they there <laughs> what are they doing i don't understand uh yeah so um yeah it was it was quite dark in certain places, um but but it was enjoyable it w- it was good 
Not as good as I wanted it to be, though. I, mm, think. I think that's that's fair. Mm. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a quick chat about the characters uh, and then we'll go yeah. through the episodes and then give our final thoughts. Um, first up, you've got Oscar Isaac playing Mark, Mark Spector, the titular Moon Knight, mm. uh, also playing Stephen Grant because we've got multiple personalities going on, which we'll get into more uh, in the future. You liked his... So when we meet him in episode one, he's got an English accent and you thought that that was good, a good, solid, strong English accent. I yeah? didn't say good, solid. <clears throat> I didn't think it was as bad as everybody was saying. I thought mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, was... Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Well, I think when we learn in like episode four where that accent comes from, my take on it being silly and stupid is accurate to what it was meant to be. Okay. <laughs> uh, what did you, what, what did you think just in general terms did you think Oscar Isaac did a good job in this he's balancing sort of multiple personalities yeah. and yeah I love yeah. Oscar Isaac I, I think he's great and I think uh, he when he he's balancing you know you said multiple personalities and I think it, you can see it uh, in his expression in how he is and it must be quite difficult to kind of change who you are I know you're an actor but it, it, it's not easy and I think he did it brilliantly I, mm. I I really I really liked him and especially uh, the la- the one that you don't see until the end I thought that was pretty cool as well you know yeah I, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah I think Oscar Isaac was pretty perfect for this role I Agree. I um I really like Oscar Isaac. I think he smashes it in most of his like he was in uh, Dune last year and yeah one of my favorite performances of last year probably um his appearance in that and yeah he's so good and also like you look at him in this you look at when he's being Stephen Grant in Moon Knight and then you look at him in Dune, I mean it could be two different men like yeah. he is he is a chameleon and yeah. you know he's great. Um yeah. up next we've got May Callumaway Callum sorry May Callumaway I think yeah. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Play, playing Layla Al Fayuli, yeah. um, Mark's wife and uh, Egyptian archaeologist and adventurer character, yeah. who we are introduced introduced to in episode two. Yeah. What did you think of her? Loved, loved, loved her. She is great. She's a great character, and mm-hmm. she's a great person to play that character. Um, yeah, I'm just reading her. Apparently, that character was originally meant to be Caucasian, and the director of the series pushed to have her be Egyptian and be yeah. the sort of representation of Egyptian culture for the show. And I think that was a an, a fantastic decision. Yeah, yeah, because the director is uh, Egyptian, and he wanted to really represent the culture and the actors. There's a lot of like uh, Egyptian actors in this um, show. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I I like I when I think when she first turned up in episode two, I was a bit sort of, who are you? I don't know you from the comics. Yeah. I want more more moonlight, please. But mm. then she really really grew on me over the course of the series, yeah. and by the th- by the final episode, I'm enjoying her more than I'm enjoying yeah anyone else really in, yeah. in the show. She's really I really good. liked it. Um, and she yes, we'll talk more when we get to the episode. But she does some cool stuff in that final episode. Yeah. that was uh, exciting to see. Um. Up next, we've got. Uh, oh, I'm just going by the way uh, Wikipedia lists the characters, and they've next they've got um, F. Murray Abraham as the voice of Konshu. Yeah, perfect voice. Yeah, definitely perfect yeah. voice. He's very yeah. good at being um, yeah. sort of full of himself, arrogant god yeah. type yeah. voice. Um, and I really like Konshu. I, I really like Konshu. I know he's not the nicest god, but I thought he was. No, I think I think F. Abram plays him really well. Yeah. And Karim El Hakim, who provided the mocap on set, um, 
also you know together the two of them create a character that who mm. is really sort of compellingly sort of you like to dislike him but he you can't like every time Kanshu turns up and starts doing something in the episode you're like ah oh, Kanshu's here cool yeah I liked him I missed him when he wasn't around Big, for a little bit sort of pigeon skeleton yeah um and then pretty importantly you've got to talk about Ethan Hawke as Arthur yeah Hara. Um, a guy who doesn't really do much genre stuff. He doesn't pop up in superhero things very often. Mm. Um, but he's always good quality whenever he does turn up in anything. He's playing a character called Arthur Harrow, who in the comic books I think is in one issue and is a mad scientist. So mm. they've effectively created a new character here mm. um, who is um, sort of almost runs the risk of... There's a real risk in Marvel stuff of having the bad guy be have the same powers as the good guy and then also be like an insane version of the good guy. So if you mm. think to like the Ant-Man movie, Yellow Jacket in the Ant-Man movie is just like a mad version of Ant-Man. Uh, Obadiah Stane, the Iron Monger in the first Iron Man movie is just like an insane version of Iron mm. Man. Uh, having Ethan Hawke be an old fist of Khonshu runs the risk of repeating that sort of mistake. But I think they just about avoid it by focusing on him as like a cult leader which is always mm. in, quite interesting like visually to see him doing that and then Ethan Hawke just putting in a really good calm yeah. um mannered performance which uh, I enjoyed what did you think of Ethan Hawke I thought it was great in this um he's uh he 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 also changes a lot and sometimes you really like him and sometimes you don't like him at all he can be really good. He can be really bad. And it's just this kind of confusing character that you go, well, he's easy doing it for the right reasons, for the wrong reasons. You know, he's got a relationship with Konshu that, and then you start thinking, you know, about Konshu that maybe he's not the good guy. And mm. I really, I really like this kind of like fine balance to who is right and who is wrong. And I think Ethan Hawke did a really great job in this. Yeah. And his, his voice is like very like, yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah uh and i like his long his long slick back hair and stuff he's um, yeah he's got a good vibe going on mm. although don't put glass in your shoes oh that let me let it <laughs> yeah and then I, I kept i kept forgetting that that's what he does and then like every so often they'd, they'd sort of show his feet crunching away or something yeah I'd be like, oh, stop, <laughs> stop, stop having on glass yeah stop having glass in your shoe you absolute <laughs> lunatic you'll get gangrene um so yeah all right so we uh talk about talk through the episodes briefly yeah okay so in episode one uh it's called the goldfish problem and it's a classic sort of setup episode of tv where we're introduced to our lead character stephen grant who is a mild-mannered, uh, a mild-mannered gift shop worker at the British Museum who has serious trouble sleeping. Yeah. And in one particular sequence, we are in. We see him wake up in the Alps. Um, yes. Uh, and he is. Uh, what to say? Um, unsure how he got there. Shall we say? Yes, he's unsure how he got there, and then there, there are is the first. Well, from the st- from then you kind of like have your moments where he he does things without knowing that he's doing them. So you realize yes. that there's not really only one person because there's another person in him that can do things that he can't do. Yes. yes, and mm. I think in this Alps sequence where he keeps blacking out and then 
coming to again oh. and you, you don't see what happens as an audience member yeah. but he's sort of killed everyone around him and he's coming in blood yeah. we're later meant to assume that he's been turning into Mark Spector during that bit but I don't think he was turning no. into Mark Spector he no. was turning into Jake Lockley definitely definitely yeah. because it the, 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 the way that he uh, gets rid of people so quickly is insane yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's it, he's um Stephen Grant is a bit of a kind of sweet loser, and so he you kind of you kind of see him just failing at life in general. Like he's yeah, hates he, his job. Um, he asks that job. girl girl out, but but he didn't ask her out. He didn't ask her out. Somebody else asked her out. <laughs> well, some and, one of. His not kind of not Mark Spector because Mark Spector's married. So again, I yeah. think that's an early hint that there is a third personality yeah. going on here, who's maybe a smooth talking Spanish man who can. Yeah, uh, and he didn't turn up to the to the date, but yeah. he's not sure. So time is really you you realize like there is like a problem with time and who is at the forefront in mm-hmm. at that moment, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I I liked I really liked how um the scene in the Alps where he he blacks out and then comes back in they could have they could have showed what's happening and you go how is Stephen Grant doing this but instead of like they black him out and then they show straight after what happened and I thought that was mm, brilliant definitely like really good uh, decision because you know you think oh who's doing it and it's um it's uh, it's good uh, it's good uh, filmmaking filmmaking um yeah filmmaking yeah right. yeah, yeah. Definitely. um and then the in the sort of final thrilling sequence in the episode he is attacked by a jackal yes in the uh in the british museum yeah due to his possession of a sort of scarab mm. thing that uh, arthur harrow wants as we yeah. we are briefly introduced to arthur harrow in this episode and um He's chased for the museum by this demonic dog, jackal, monster, mm. until eventually, um, in the mirror, Mark Spector introduces himself to uh, Stephen and the audience, yeah. and we see the reveal of the full Moon Knight costume, and oh, uh, he beats down a dog. What did you think of that ending to the episode? That, I, I, I love that ending, and I couldn't wait to watch the next episode, but that was the only episode that i felt that way which is a oh, really? bit of a shame yeah um i was so excited because that episode is really exciting you find you know it sets everything up and you know and uh, you find out what um arthur harrow is doing you know he's uh uh seeing if in the future you're going to do something bad and if you're going to do something bad then you're going to die um mm-hmm. and you kind of everything is quite exciting and then it ends and it ends with like um, Moon Knight just like punching down this jackal in the toilet that is exploding. It's like, wow, what's going to happen next? And then it kind of, I think that was an incredible episode to start a series. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I don't think the rest followed as well, but I still, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So as you mentioned, Booth, there, we discovered in this episode that Arthur Harrow is a follower of Amit, mm. uh, the crocodile god who judges people based on their future and their past um and you, we see him sort of holding people's wrists and a, a scale appears on their wrists and we, he yeah. sees if it balances or not and if it doesn't ba- if it doesn't balance and they're a bad person then you're kaput 
Yep, they're kaput. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought this was a really good episode, and I enjoyed the ending to it and thought it, you know, you really want to see what happens next. What happens next is episode two, Summon the Suit, um, which I thought was a pretty strong episode. I like this one. It, he finds his way. First of all, mm. he goes to the British Museum in the morning. He gets fired for trashing a bathroom because he discovers that when they look on the cameras, no one else can see the jackal that was attacking him, yeah. only him, him running around and smashing stuff up. Um, so he makes his way to a storage unit, um, based on, uh, he finds like a phone and a key in a, a hole in the wall of his apartment that he didn't know was there. Makes his way to a storage unit where they recognize him and they show him to his unit and in there mm. he finds like a camp bed, um, a bunch of weapons, a pa- uh, like a passport with someone else's name on it. And, uh, in the reflection on the wall, uh, Mark starts to talk to him again and tries to warn him. Uh, of the danger he's in, and then Conchu chases him out of the building, mm-hmm. and we meet Mark Spectre's wife, Layla, who is suitably confused as to why Mark has vanished and is now speaking in an English accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the, they sort of uh, end up getting taken away by two police officers who turn out to be undercover agents of Arthur Harrow, who take them to a very odd communal little bit of London where people are growing vegetables and Arthur Harrow is talking about how much everyone enjoys speaking Chinese and playing football. Yeah, and, that was pretty uh, idyllic. I like that. I yeah, it seemed cool. quite idyllic. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you when you're introduced to a cult on the surface, it all looks like everyone's happily, uh, you know, getting along with things. But underneath it all, there's a darkness. And the, the darkness in this case is murdering children. Uh, it's uh, Mark Stephen points out. Yeah. Um, and uh, we sort of, they fight their way out of Arthur Harrow's compound. He manages to get hold of the scarab, but in the process, Stephen discovers that he too is able to summon a suit. Uh, Just to a be the, suit, though. Yeah, to be the fist of country. No, he still gets powers and stuff, I think. Yeah. He gets, but... some, he gets some sticks. But it's um, not as cool as... Uh, as uh... <laughs> oh, I, pref- I prefer his suit. Oh, okay. His is, his is the Mr. Knight suit, which in the comic books is... Um, it's not like a separate personality suit in the comic books. It's um, the, the he he kind of operates as a private detective where he's not really being a superhero. He's just pretending to be a detective for hire. Um, okay. who dre- and he dresses up like that. And there's a whole run of comic books where he's like um, dressed up as Mister Knight and uh, going around um, solving crimes and things. And uh, no, I really like that that uh, that look of that weird suit that he does. But yeah, in um, in a. Uh, in the TV show, uh, they differentiate the different costumes by having them be for the different mm. types of the different personalities. So yeah, Mark Spector gets the kind of ceremonial Egyptian garb, bandages, etc., yeah. and then <laughs> Stephen gets like a all white, double breasted waistcoat and suit jacket type of thing with some yeah. with some sticks. Um, and then there's a big old there's a fight, and that's that's episode two. Yeah, we forgot to say in episode <clears throat> one that he, mm. uh, which is going to be important uh, um, later on, that yeah. he speaks on the phone with his mum every day. Well, he leaves a message on his mum's answering machine every day. True. Mm. I guess that will be important later. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that, uh, yeah. So, I think that... Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's relevant. When we learn more about the relationship he has with his mum. Yeah. Um, mm. um, then we go to episode three, where we have a big... Well, episode two ends with a reveal that they're now in Egypt. Uh, is Mark gets up off a bed in a hotel room, and he's on the phone, and he walks to the window, and we see that he's in uh, 
He's in Cairo. In Cairo. Mm. So episode three, the friendly type in Egypt. Um, we we are in we're in Egypt, and Mohamed Diab, the director, uh, has talked in interviews about how, or the lead director, because also directing some episodes of this season were. Uh, Aaron Benson and Justin Moorhead, directors of some of my favourite films of recent years, such as The Endless. Mm. Um, they're absolute like uh, geniuses, so it was really cool to see them involved in the MCU property as well. But yeah, Mohamed Diab, who was the lead director, was really keen on having this show portray Egypt in a more yeah. realistic way to how it's usually portrayed in, in films and, and series. And having not been to Egypt, I can't really talk on how effective he was at that, but I mean, I'm sure... If that's what he set out to do, it seems to me that that's what he achieved. And um, yeah, look, it's yeah, beautiful. It kind of made me want to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think episode three is the one that really confused me. Yeah, it starts to lose track <laughs> of itself slightly in episode three. It's just it's like got... it just goes everywhere, and I and you know arrows everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think I think their plate's spinning a little bit because they've got a big reveal coming up in episode four. Yeah, they've set up the characters in episode one and two. And now they just need to have a little bit of fun adventure time in episode three. I think the main thing that needs to happen in this episode is that Konshu is put in a little statue. Yeah. Konshu's trapped to in a little put statue. Konshu in a little statue, they just go, uh, they just, just they, they manage to travel everywhere in no time. And, yeah. and they have to go to get a map. I don't know why they have to go and get a map, which is well, only this house of this guy that doesn't like to wear a t shirt. <laughs> Yes, and um, that's Gaspard Uliel, I think his name is, who who sadly died after production of Moonlight. Yeah, um, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, so I rest in peace to him. He's he's only in this one episode, but he's perfectly he's you know yeah. his performance is good, and it's extremely sad that um, he passed away. Uh, I mm. think yeah. So I think my understanding of this episode is it opens with Mark running around Egypt, doing some investigating. Yeah. Layla later joins him. Arthur Harrow has got the scarab, so knows where Amit's tomb is. Yeah. So he's, he's hot on the heels of Amit's tomb, getting Which his followers. Fine. Yeah, but there's a big job in getting his followers to uncover it. And they have to go into it and explore and find the actual yeah. like little statue of Amit that they're looking for. So they're on their way to that. They're achieving that. And then Mark is hot on their heels, attempting to also find the location of Amit's tomb by a map of the stars that can be used as a map to find the tomb that is with a mummy that is owned by a Frenchman. So Layla and Mark go to this tomb, go to this guy's house to try and access this map. Arthur Harrow, I think knowing that this is the only other way that the tomb can be discovered, makes his way also to the house to try and get in their way. Yeah. And they have it, it results in a sort of a Barney and a bust up. And we see a bit of a more of an extent of exactly because in the comics, there's times where Moon Knight is just he's he's mad. He thinks yeah. he's the fist of Konshu, but he's just a guy in a suit who's just fearless and will fight people. Yeah. Then there's other times where he's actually got mystical powers. And I think this is the episode where we, we really do learn that he actually has mystical powers in this. Like he is impaled repeatedly by huge spears in yeah. this fight scene in this third episode and he is absolutely <laughs> fine. Um yeah. So we see you know it's, we kind of get a bit more of an idea of the extent of his powers and what he can do. There's a very cool move where he jumps off a big glass pyramid and his cape billows around him like a big crescent moon. Yes please. And um <laughs> uh he has a big old fight and ultimately Arthur Harry gets away. They have the map and they discover that 
the map it doesn't work because the night sky today yeah. doesn't look like how the night sky looked in the year in like 2000 <laughs> bc etc <laughs> yeah and then Konshu is like well i'm the god of the night so i remember what it looks like but if you recall earlier and we forgot to mention this but there's a bit where they have a trial where <laughs> yeah, all, the yeah. other, all the other egyptian gods have like a person who's there an avatar Avatar, yes. so like Mark's the avatar of Khonshu, Ethan Hawke, want, Arthur Harrow wants to be the avatar of Amit, but Amit's yeah. trapped in a little statue. Statue, yeah. But then there's a bunch of other people who are the avatars of the, you know, Osiris and Ra and all the other yeah. Egyptian gods. So they have a little trial where Khonshu accuses Arthur Harrow of trying to wake up Amit. And, you know, any human being could just go and look at what Arthur Harrow's doing and know that that's true, but these avatars all go, Oh, well, you can't present us any evidence right now, Conshu, other than just screaming and yelling about it, so we're going to let Arthur Harrow go. Um, yeah. And <laughs> if if you do any more screaming and yelling about Arthur Harrow or anything else to embarrass us, we'll, go, you, we'll put you in a little statue as well. So, at this point now, Conshu is like, I can change the night sky so that... Um, so that the map works. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> so com- I'm sure there's a computer that could simulate. I'm sure you could simulate this inside a computer, but they don't. Instead, uh, he does this thing where they like uh, almost like swiping on Tinder. They swipe the yeah. night sky until yeah. they're happy with what it looks like, and then everyone else in the world sees it. And it's unclear as to is Conshu powerful enough to rotate the entire universe around Earth, or. I don't know. I don't know I, what's going on. It no. seems like it would have massive, massive implications for just everything, yeah. but it doesn't appear to have any implications at all. And um, it'd be fun. It would be fun if, in some future Marvel thing, there's a character who's an astronomer who just <laughs> references the fact that all of a sudden every star chart in the world stopped being usable because the night sky just <laughs> spat Jeez, around, yeah. cra- and then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he does this. They allowing them to find the tomb, but also in the knowledge that it's going to mean that um he gets put in a little statue, and he does. They pop him in a statue and put him away in a in a wall uh, with a little label on it saying "Do not open until episode six. So yeah, we'll come back to Conchu later. Uh, <laughs> kind of interestingly, you know, it's 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 a it's a fairly rote thing in TV or in superhero stuff to be like, look at how powerful he really is, and then within the same breath be like, but now we've taken away that power. Uh oh. Yeah. So now Mark Spector is sort of left without the um, protection of Moon Knight, but still with um, Stephen Grant and Mark Spector in sharing the body and at this point moving closer towards a sort of uncomfortable truce where yeah. uh, Mark has to allow Stephen to take control to uh, work out how to read the map and then they make their yeah. way to the tomb, which brings us to episode four, the tomb. Yeah. But what did the you think of episode three? Definitely not my favourite. That's no. when I was like, I'm not sure where this is going. I didn't like that episode. I I. I nearly gave it up after that episode because I was just like, what is this? It's too much. It's just like, why Why is Arrow Harrow everywhere? He was in the desert, just digging the desert. You don't have to come back. But then he comes back and then he and then he's in a tomb and then he's... It was just too confusing. Yeah. Although I do disagree with you on that because it does make sense that he comes back because he's trying to slow down Mark. And but he's not he's digging got, in the desert. His followers are digging in the he's desert. He's got They're glass not... in his shoes. He should stay sitting down. He should just but, send somebody else, one of his cronies, to no, fight. No, he's, send, he's sending his cronies to dig up the tomb, and he's going to go and try and do mind games and slow down Mark. And also, he's the bad guy. Like, it makes sense. He should be there. But <laughs> it's not as good as the first two no. episodes. It's definitely no. a bit of a, a lull. Yeah. Although but not then... as much... Well, I thought that the biggest lull was episode four. Oh, my word. 
Episode four. So episode four is called the tomb, and it's split. Yeah. You can split it quite evenly in two. There's the first mm. two thirds and the second and the second and the last third. Yeah. The first two thirds is the darkness turned down to the absolute lowest it can go, and Layla and Mark stumbling around in the darkness of Amit's tomb looking for um, mm. Amit's thing, and Mark eventually finds, or Stephen eventually finds, Alexander the Great's sarcophagus. Contained within is a little statuette of uh, Amit, which is what everyone's been looking for. Yeah. And then um, Arthur Harrow arrives soon after and shoots Mark. And that's where the episode takes a wild turn into something that's a little bit more interesting. But, I mean, I don't, I genuinely can't remember anything that happens in the first two thirds of this episode other than they just stumble around in the dark for ages. I quite like, I quite liked the fact that there's a lot of blood around, so you don't really know what's happening uh and uh the i i re- i don't know I, I i liked the kind of um ancient egypt uh references you know when the 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 priest would cut the the people open and then they would put like the the various organs in the thing i quite liked that i thought that was quite fun to watch mm. i thought um yeah but i don't yeah you're right there's a lot of walking in the dark and falling and and this weird creature uh, the priest that i don't know why he's alive <laughs> no I'm that not was sure confusing either. why is why is he a zombie like no, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I there was a point in this episode where i stopped paying attention because i was really bored and then it did it, you know it picks up again but not yeah and then and then they find the thing and then but mark's um mark stephen get shot yeah and um and it all just goes absolutely haywire. Yeah. Um, we cut to the rate the aspect ratio changes to be sort of four freestyle. Yeah. And we briefly see um VHS style footage of what looks like an incredibly low budget Indiana Jones ripoff, uh, of a of an explorer character exploring a jungle. Someone refers to him as Stephen Grant and we go, Hang about, I know a Stephen Grant and it's not this guy. And then the camera pulls out and you see that Oscar Isaac is watching that film on a TV. Yeah. He's in a straitjacket. He's in a wheelchair. He's in a, He's clearly in an institution of some description. And yeah. you go, oh, okay. Yeah. Then, so is... And it's, I like, that's, you know, TV shows have done this many times before. Like, it's not the first TV show to suddenly do a, oh, mm. they were actually in, a, in an asylum the whole time reveal. But... It does mean that you start being like, right, so what was real? Was the stuff that was happening before yeah. real? And this is fake? Or is this yeah. real? And that was fake? And um, we we then, somebody takes him and pushes him into a meeting with his doctor, who is Ethan Hawke. Yeah. And they have a discussion where they're sort of arguing back and forth about what's reality and not. And then he gets up, he runs away, he is, starts escaping, he, he opens a door and sees a sarcophagus shaking wildly. Uh, foreshadowing for later, but we won't. That that sarcophagus stays shut for now. And then he runs around a bit more, gets to another room where sarcophagus is in there. It opens up and out falls Stephen Grant. And suddenly we've got Mark Spector and Stephen yeah. Grant on screen together. Oscar Isaac twice, um, through the magic of TV. Uh, they run out of a corridor. They go to run through a double door. The double door opens, and an enormous hippo woman walks out and says hello. And then yeah. the episode ends. Yeah. And now I think that this for me is the best cliffhanger of the season this was the point where i was most like i really want to see what happens next because a, a big hippo woman has just walked out what did you think i was still was yeah no i i liked i liked how it kind of um it turned and it went from like them being in 
after he got shot, he was in, in the tomb, and then he went into this, uh, um, uh, into this, um, what's it called, clinic? No. Clinic, asylum, institution. Yeah, in this, in, in this in, yeah, and then he went into this institution. And also, you see Layla in the institution as well. That So mm-hmm. you go, oh my goodness, is this, is this what is happening? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, that was a good cliffhanger. I just, I still prefer the first one because the first one's like, I need to watch the next episode. Um, mm. But, um, yeah. The, the first episode for me was more of a, I knew that we were going to see the costume and now you've waited until the very last second to show mm. me. So just, like, it wasn't an excited, I want yeah. to see episode two thing. It was like, a, why did you do this? And now just show me episode two now kind of thing. whereas this was more of an unexpected thing where it's like yeah. oh big hippo i want to know more about the big hippo mm. so we go into episode five which is called asylum and uh we meet Torette properly who is um an egyptian god she sails yeah. uh the boat through the desert of the dead etc don't ask me mm-hmm. to be really accurate with the description of egyptian mythology i'm, I'm sorry um yeah. But basically, we discover quite quickly that this asylum isn't real. Well, we knew that from when Stephen Grant fell out of a sarcophagus and two Oscar Isaacs yeah. running around. But basically, they have died. They are heading to the Egyptian underworld. Uh, Torek yeah. confirms briefly that there are other underworlds for other cultures and religions and references the, um, mm. what are they called, the sacred planes, the ancestral planes, which are the uh, purple-tinged uh afterlife that we see in uh the black panther movie uh that mm. wakandans go to uh which is one of only two references to other mcu stuff in the uh, in the show which mm. is cool and um Torette reveals that if by the time they get to the field of reeds the scales for mark and stephen haven't balanced then they will be flung off the boat and sucked down into the sands to live a life of eternal torment yeah. um in the afterlife there so Mark and Stephen enter back inside the boat that they are on, back into the um, asylum setting and uh, set about, Stephen in particular sets about trying to find out the truth behind who he is, why he's part of Mark Spector. And yeah. um, basically, in, in essence, this is the origin story episode where we are told how all of this came to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, we very, learn that and it's kind of sad. It is like really it's sad. Really a, it's re- yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, talking about like a Marvel series getting dark, I think, you know, this episode definitely lays out a stake mm. for being darker than we've really seen the Marvel Universe before. Yeah. Um, we discover that Mark, as a child, had a brother and um, due to a misadventure uh, around a cave and some water, that mm. brother sadly passed away. Yeah. Uh, Mark's mother blamed him and effectively set about um abusing him physically yeah and mentally mm. abusing um abusing mark as a child and leading ignoring to him, like and just ignoring not him, him yeah yeah not being there for him ignoring him just generally you know not every level uh mistreating him yeah leading eventually to his uh creation of the stephen grant persona as yeah. a way of trying to hide um from his mum when she was particularly uh you know enraged and uh, yeah, so we so Stephen Grant sort of comes to this discovery and this realization that he'd Mark Spector is the true identity yeah. in the body, and that he has been created um, as a result of this like ex- in, intense mechanism. trauma. Yeah, yeah, as a coping mechanism. And um, 
the episode ends with a big old fight on the boat. Why not have a good old fight on a boat once you've discovered about your childhood trauma? Uh, and then uh, Stephen gets Stephen gets dragged off the boat, and Mark ends up stood in a field of reeds, wondering what's going to happen next. And that's where episode five ends. What did you think of this episode? Um, I I thought I thought it was really good. Uh, the it well, his his heart has to balance. So the only way that the heart will balance is by him realizing things and uh when you know they they dis- he mark wants to protect mark's mark knows the truth and he wants mm-hmm. to protect stephen and he kind of like keeps chasing him and saying no you don't don't go in there don't go in there and it's quite interesting because it's, it's he created stephen to protect himself and now he's trying to protect stephen from the truth and i thought it was kind of like really sad when he finds out the real thing and and then you realize that in the first episode when he's ringing his mum you realize that he's not ringing anyone because his mum has passed away and um and his mum was never nice to him since and since the death of um, his brother and and things start making more sense about who mark is and why stephen is um and it they they're going through these doors and it's kind of like it's 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 a good co- it's, it's it I think it's made really well, and then when Stephen falls, in the sand, then the heart balances because you know it's only Mark and that's what it's you know it's supposed yeah. to be, and um I thought that was uh I don't know I really liked it I really liked the symbolism in it it's just kind yeah. of like, except it's not only Mark is it? It's not only Mark that's mm. true. And um, we discover in this episode uh, how also how he became the Fist of Conshu along with how Stephen Brandt. Yeah. Uh, was, which is that he was um, part of a mercenary group uh, involved in an archaeological expedition in Egypt and he, the leader of the group, Bushman, who is um, a character in the Moon Knight comic books as like his main sort of villainous bad guy, um, betrays everyone, kills all the mm. people, including Layla's father, Oh, yeah. uh, and um, leaves Mark Spector for dead on the uh, steps of a Konshu statue, and that's when Konshu mm. says, "Will you be uh, the protector of travelers of the night time and be my fist and my avatar, etc." And uh, Mark Spector agrees. Yeah. And that is uh, that that broadly matches canonically how the comic book character mm. got his uh, start as Moon Knight, even if the uh, multiple personality thing is done a bit differently, which yeah. is interesting. And then we get to episode six, which is called Gods and Monsters, and is interestingly the shortest final episode of any MCU season. Yeah, so far. I thought it was going to be like an hour and a half, but it yeah. was only like forty minutes, like every other episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit shorter than most of the Earth episodes. Even it's like forty-two yeah. minutes long. Um, and I guess you know because it's it does sort of jump through. Like, what happens? Layla goes to like. Arthur Harrow has got the uh, Amit um, statue. He releases Amit, kills all the other avatars. Good. They were idiots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> good riddance. Bye-bye. Yeah. Layla's sort of hiding around the edges and manages to go and break this little statuette that contains Konshu. Konshu escapes, asks her if she'll be his uh, fist, and she says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely not. No, I love that you. moment where she's just like, no. 
Yeah. Because Mark was really scared that that was going to happen. Yeah. And then when when Contra actually says, oh, can you be my avatar? She's just like, no, go no, away. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to do it. And also, in order to know what she needs to do, she also briefly is possessed by Torah, who asks her to be yes. her avatar. And she says no to Torah as well. More on that uh, shortly. Um, but yeah, so then Arthur Harrow heads off to go to Cairo and... Um, set about getting Amit to um, test everyone and mm-hmm. uh, see if they balance and kill everyone who doesn't. And uh, meanwhile, Mark is revitalised by Konshu, brought back to life, re-earns his place as his hand and uh, flies off to Cairo in order to fight Arthur Harrow. And at the same time, they realise that they need more than one avatar to uh, defeat Arthur and trap Amit in Arthur's body. Uh, so um, Layla agrees to be the avatar of Torette and turns into the Scarlet Scarab. Yeah. Yeah, a comic book character who is a villain in the comics and also a man. So I think they've just taken the name uh, in order to create um, her. But that's absolutely fine because she looks cool and yeah. does some pretty great stuff in this. Looking Definitely. like, um, you know, vibes of, of Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman um, in terms of... Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> Sorry. I'm not saying just... it's better or worse than Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. No, no, but just no. I just go like, oh... The aesthetic is similar <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in some respects. Uh, yeah. with the, I think she has braces and stuff. But, uh, there's you know, there's a nice there's a really nice cool moment where she saves somebody and a, a little girl says, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she says yes, and that's... Yes! I, pretty, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's pretty rad. And, you know, she seems... She's cool. I like that actress. I like yeah. that character. I yeah. like the way she has those wings. And she's yeah. The thing that made me think of Wonder Woman is she blocks like a bullet with her wings, and it's just a little bit similar to when uh, Wonder Woman blocks bullets with the braces on her wrists. And um, mm. and uh, then we sort of get into just a big old Barney where we've got a giant crocodile woman, a yep. giant pigeon skeleton. They're fighting, yes. uh, knocking each other around on the Great yeah. Pyramid, uh, which is holding up fairly well to have like kaijus falling into it yeah and uh then we've got down on the ground um arthur harrow and moon knight go at it with support from uh scarlet scarab uh with a pretty cool fight scene and you've got you've got uh mark spectre and stephen grant kind of intermittently changing between um you know the mr knight suit and the moon knight suit (laughs) and all of that's happening and there's just just some cool little moments there and um then ultimately Arthur Harrow gets the upper hand. Mm. What happens next? I don't remember. Mark blacks out is the is the answer. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark blacks out, and then he comes back, and everything is gone. Pitong. Yeah, everyone's defeated. Arthur Harrow's on the floor, covered in blood, uh, and Layla stood there going, "What on earth did was that?" Yeah, and it was amazing because I was like, oh, they're going to fight and fight and fight. It's never going to end. And then it just ended. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah, oh. not not too shabby, really. No, but my, but it's quite scary. Like, the, the, the other guy that we still don't know who he is is mm. pretty terrifying. Yeah, definitely he's capable of quite some intense stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah. there's a... Because this is it's the the way they play it out and the little sound effect they use and stuff it matches exactly with the way they did it in the Alps sequence in episode yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, but this time, because Mark and Stephen are, are both aware of each other, they're both able to go. Was that you? No. Was yeah. that you? No. And then that it's like, well, yeah. 
they they do move on from that quite quickly actually they don't really question it any further than that they don't really yeah. make the they're just like oh it wasn't either of us so uh um oh well he's defeated anyway so let's just move on so they grab him they take him off to the uh the the center of the great pyramid and they um do a ceremony to trap mm. Amit within Arthur Harrow's body yeah and um that's they've won they've they've, they've defeated and uh Konshu agrees to let Mark Spector go yeah and but uh, only Mark Spector only Mark Stephen Spector Grant. and Stephen Grant uh who have formed a kind of truce at this point yeah. and um I guess that we've got some sort of thruple going on with Stephen Mark and Layla well I guess Layla happily. likes Stephen a little bit because I think yeah. Stephen is quite sweet yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they all, that, that all seems fine. But then... Oh, that was pretty exciting, the last bit. Well, it, so it all wraps up, it cuts to credits, yeah. and you're thinking, that was quite short, and also, what was all, what was up with that kind of shaking the camera and the blacking out, and, yeah. you know, who invited that woman to dinner in the first episode, and yeah. who, who was, what was that sarcophagus about that was shaking and screaming, and yeah. you're still wondering some stuff, and then we come back for a little post credit scene. Which is uh, one of the other little hints that we're watching a Marvel property, actually, because we can't get away from a Marvel no. film without seeing a post-credit scene. So um, we see Arthur Harrow, again, in some sort of institution, hospital. He's clearly defeated, not very powerful at all, sat in a wheelchair, struggling to yeah. cope. And uh, a nurse comes to sat to um, wheel him away somewhere, and then we see somebody else say, no, 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 I'll take him. Uh, but yeah. we can't see their face. He gets wheeled out of the... Um, hospital into the back of a big white limousine but somebody uh, has been shot in the hospital in the reception area oh yes yes yeah. so you go oh that's true that's actually not, yes that's not that's not no no something's definitely going on and then he get he gets shoved in the back of this taxi at uh, taxi the back of this uh limousine, limousine. and sat opposite him is Konshu, Konshu. but now dressed as after having kind of um <laughs> criticised the the white Mr. Night suit. Conshu yeah. is now, now taken to wearing it. So you've got Conshu yeah. sat there dressed in a big white suit but with his big skull bird head thing um, and explains to Arthur that just because he let Mark and Stephen go, that doesn't mean he no longer has control of that body because the, the two of them didn't know that there was a third personality and he introduces him to his friend Jake Lockley. And his face. It was so scary. Yeah, he looks terrifying. He's wearing yeah. a big flat cap. He says yeah. something to Arthur in Spanish. Spanish, yeah. Um, seemingly, to di- again, to differentiate between the characters. You've got Stephen yeah. speaking an English accent, Mark an American accent, and now Jake speaking Spanish. Yeah. And um, takes out a silenced pistol and just goes ham on Ethan Hawke. Yeah. And then, the epi- and then drives off, and that's the episode. Yeah. What did you think of that? I really liked the ending. I thought it was uh, that that little bit was uh, was really good. Were I, you expecting a third personality or? Well, yeah, yeah, because we kind of assumed because also there's there's in Cairo, there's um, he's uh, chasing three people at one point. Oh yeah, that's and yeah, yeah, and yeah. he goes ham on them, and you go oh but who is like it might be Mark but I don't think it is Mark, yeah. and then and then at the end uh when he's fighting harrow and everybody like he kills everybody and but steven and mark are not not saying that they they did it so yeah but i didn't expect us to see it in this in the first season yeah so when we see it at the end uh, that was really surprised because i didn't think it was gonna be then it's like oh 
Oh. Very exciting. Um, yeah. Is it going to be a second season? Well, so they've always described this as being a limited series, meaning it's normally going to be one season. And also they've made pains to explain that Oscar Isaac, unlike most people that sign up to being a Marvel property, is only signed up for this one season and just this one season. Okay. Seemingly setting us up the entire time to, to, to think that this is just one season and done. But mm. you can't end it by introducing a third personality like that and then just be like, that's it. I guess you could because you you know that everything that has happened outside of Mark and Stephen has been this other guy. So yeah. I guess he has been around since the beginning. True. Just I, outside the scene, just not yeah. in the picture. But I want to see more of him and also I want to see more Moon Knight generally. Like, yeah, I, I'd like yeah. to see Moon Knight pop up in just other people's stuff. And interestingly, um, there is supposedly going to be on Disney Plus a sort of feature length special for Halloween this year, hmm. which um, is a, none of this seems to have been officially confirmed. But supposedly it's going to star Gail Garcia Bernal oh. as as the character Werewolf by Night, who is one of Marvel's sort of monster characters, you know, within oh. the world of Blade and things hmm. like that. He's a kind of yeah. werewolf character that Marvel has. And uh, Moon Knight, interestingly, debuted as a villain in a 1970s issue of Werewolf by Night, where he fought uh, the Werewolf by Night. So it's interesting that we've just had this Moon Knight series, and then at the end of the year we're supposedly getting a Werewolf by Night kind of special, Halloween special. So maybe we could see some more Moon Knight in that. Maybe not, who knows, but, you know, it could That'd happen. be exciting. Yeah, it would be interesting, wouldn't but it? But do you think um, Oscar Isaac would do another... Um, I don't know. I mean, he did all those Star Wars movies. He's, he's, yeah. Uh, he seems like he really enjoyed making this. I think if mm. they had a good story to tell again, and if, yeah. the, if the money was good, and I imagine the money is pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But do you think Moon Knight will turn up in other Marvel things apart from? I don't know. Again, there's a there's a there's a team up. There's a super. There's a, like because there's not just the Avengers like. There's yeah. various different superhero teams in the comics, and one of them are called, I think they're called the Midnight Suns, and that's this sort of team-up of the kind of supernatural and slightly darker characters. So mm. Doctor Strange is a member of the Midnight Suns, um, Ghost Rider is a member of the Midnight Suns, and Moon Knight is a member of the Midnight Suns. So, yeah. again, if they wanted to do that at any point in the future, that, that would be another way to kind of reintroduce that character um, and have him sort of team up with some other characters Uh and see how that worked out. So again, you know, mm. it, it could, it could, it, it could. It, there's, there's plenty of different ways that they could bring back mm. Mark Spector. I think. Yeah. Uh, and I'd really like to see them. And also, I, you know, more so even maybe the Moon Knight. If this is all we get of the Scarlet Scarab, that is going to be disappointing. Yeah. I would yeah, definitely like I... to see to see more of Layla. I think mm. she could do really well to to mm. pop up elsewhere in the MCU. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the fact that she looks like a scarab, but she is actually powered by a god hippo is pretty great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was uh, Moon Knight. Overall, if I was going to rate it out of five buckets, I'd probably give it three and a half buckets out of five for the first yeah. season. Yeah. It, it started really well. It dipped a little bit in the middle for mm. me and then it, it ended reasonably Same. strong. Yeah. yeah. I just I love Oscar Isaac, so I think he was perfect for this role, and I think he he carried it even in the low bits. You like, 
Oscar, you can do no wrong. Definitely. And I um, and I really I'm really glad that I rediscovered somebody like uh, um, May Kalam Kalamawi 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 I think yeah Kalamawi uh, yeah. playing Leia I think uh, Leila I think she was great. Yeah, definitely I'd see more of her. Yeah. So yeah, that was Moon Knight, and um, as with any year now, I think it's going to be a big Marvel year this year because we hit we just had last month. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Moon Knight has just been and gone. Coming up in June, we're going to have Miss <gasps> Marvel. I'm Ms. really Marvel. excited about that. Ms. Yeah, Marvel. I'm very excited about Miss Marvel. She-Hulk coming in August. Yeah. Uh, in July, even before She-Hulk, we've got Thor, Love and Thunder. <gasps> Exciting. Yeah. Uh, in October, supposedly, we've got this Werewolf by Night uh, okay. Halloween special. In November, we've got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Oh. And uh, presumably coming in December, we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Nice. So there is plenty more Marvel yeah. action to be had this year. Um, so let's finish off our episode with just a quick couple of minutes chatting about uh, Doctor Strange, because you talked about it when you saw it, and I talked about yeah. it when I saw it. But I think at this point, hopefully anyone listening, if they wanted to or cared about spoilers, they'd have seen the movie. So mm. let's just have a little quick spoiler chat about what we thought about certain parts of it. In particular... Okay. The Illuminati scene. What did you think of the Illuminati scene, Alex? The Illuminati scene is where... Uh, we we have some big so, cameos. So in the Illuminati scene, we have very big cameos. Who do we have? We have Professor X. Mm-hmm. Played by played Patrick Stewart. by Patrick Stewart. In the then, chair from the animated series. And when yeah. he appears on screen, they play yeah. a little bit of the theme tune from the animated show. And it's like yellow Great. and cool and yep. amazing. Yeah. And then uh, there is, you're better with names with than me. So we've got, as well as Professor X, we've got uh, Baron Mordo, who's played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, yeah. who is sort of, was expected to be in the movie. So not too much of a cameo, but yeah. is great. Uh, Black Bolt or Blackagar Boltigan. Uh, yeah. The king of the Inhumans, the keeper of the Terrigan Mists. Interestingly, in the comics, the Terrigan yeah. Mists are what give Miss Marvel her powers, but we already know that that's not how the MCU is going to do it. But uh, yeah, and played by Anson Mount, who played Black Bolt in the massively, spectacularly failed Inhumans TV show. And I don't think anyone expected no. Anson Mount to return as Black Bolt or for yeah. that character to return. So it was pretty exciting that he returned mm. and with an even more comics accurate uh, costume. You've also got Captain Carter, played by Hayley yeah. Atwell, uh, yeah. described as the first Avenger in full, you know, Union Jack shield and yeah. jetpack mode. Um, we've got a Captain Marvel, played by Lashana Lynch. Yeah. Uh, hot off the heels of being in, in uh, what's the name of that film? Uh, no Time to Die, uh, mm-hmm. as, as James Bond, or as 007 even. Um, yeah, playing a, playing a different version of Captain Marvel. We've got... I, th- I think there's only one member left, isn't there? Have we mentioned yeah. everyone else? Uh, yeah, from the um, so Fantastic Baron, Four. Baron yeah, so from the Fantastic Four, the smartest man alive, Reed Richards. Yeah. Played by John Krasinski. Yeah. Which I think is by some distance the biggest cameo in, in the movie. Was he in Fantastic Four? There isn't a Fantastic Four. Where is there? So that so in two thousand like in the two thousands they did a Fantastic Four series yeah 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 so yeah I mean two films no yeah. Ian Griffith Ian Griffith who's a Welsh actor played Mister Fantastic in yeah. those films yeah then those films were quite bad and they were made by Fox and they're not really part of the MCU then mm. in again made by Fox in about two thousand fifteen two thousand sixteen they did a film called Four 
uh, that attempted to be a dark and gritty reboot of the Fantastic mm. Four. And in that movie, Miles Teller played a young Mr. Yeah. Fantastic. So he, John Krasinski story. was never... Uh-huh. No, however, they announced uh, recently, or, you know, while they were announcing all stuff for Phase 4, like Shang-Chi and Eternals, mm. they announced that coming down the road after all these movies, are sort of there's a bit more detail about them, they announced that they are doing a Fantastic Four uh, movie now, set okay. in the MCU. And the only thing that had come out before Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness regarding who was going to be in that movie was that it was going to be directed by John Watts, who was the director of the Spider-Man Tom Holland movies. Okay. And about a week before Doctor Strange premiered, Tom Watts dropped out of directing this Fantastic Four movie. Oh. So it lost its director. And other than that, the only thing that's sort of relevant to all of this is that for years, the ultimate fan dream casting thing for this Fantastic Four movie is that people think that John Krasinski is... A natural to play Mr. Fantastic. Okay. And that Emily Blunt would therefore be a natural choice to play the Invisible Woman, Sue Storm, <laughs> as they are husband and wife Okay. in real life and husband and wife in the yeah. comics. Interesting. And if, if you were being particularly optimistic or particularly conspiracy-minded, you could imagine that maybe, as he is now a fairly big Hollywood director along with an oh. actor... Maybe John Watts dropped out of directing the Fantastic Four movie in order to make way for John Krasinski to both star in and direct the Fantastic Four movie. Wow. Maybe. 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 However, slightly reducing credence to that idea is that apparently, originally, Mr. Fantastic was going to be played in this cameo scene by Daniel Craig. Okay. Who supposedly dropped out because when the scene was going to be filmed, Covid cases rose a lot, and he yeah. didn't want to. He didn't want to travel from the UK to America and potentially put his family at risk by bringing Covid back. Oh, so he okay. decided to drop out of doing the cameo. So okay. either they just thought, well, let's just go with a big fan casting cameo and put John Krasinski in it as like a little yeah. thing, and then later we'll reveal who's actually going to play him in the movie that we're going to make. That's the Fantastic Four movie, or they thought, well, the big crazy cameo we had for Doctor Strange has dropped out, so let's just get the guy that we've already signed up to be in the Fantastic Four movie to just be in this one now. So who knows? Who knows? So a lot of people wow. are taking this to mean that John Krasinski is playing Mr. Fantastic, but it could just be a little cheeky cameo and then someone else is going to play Mr. Fantastic yeah. for, for real. Uh, personally, I really, really hope that it's John Krasinski because I, I really like him in, yeah. you know, as an actor and as a director and just generally as a as a quiet place creator in the office star and stuff i'm a big fan of john krasinski and we get a couple of minutes of him here as reed richards and he seems like a natural fit for the role and it would be fun mm. to see him go what did you think of what witnessing all of these characters get brutally murdered and slain by uh elizabeth olsen it was horrible <laughs> <laughs> she's evil She's really. I did not expect she would be the evil the evil person in this one i don't know what i just I was and I loved it. I thought it was amazing, and I I I lo- I really thought it was so scary how she killed Professor X in his mind. Yeah, she turns up behind really him, and just snaps his neck. Snaps his neck. Yeah, it was really dark. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She, she makes Black Bolt blow his own head up by taking his mouth yeah. away, caves his yeah. head in. She turns yeah. Mr. Fantastic into a big pile of spaghetti, and then yeah. his, his head his head pops. Yeah. Uh, she cuts Captain Carter in half with in her own half. shield. <gasps> it was awful. Yeah. The only one that sort of I was a bit like, would that kill them? Was when Captain Marvel gets crushed by the big statue. 
Because mm. in the in the Brie Larson movies, and there's no reason to think that this uh, Lashana Lynch version, Maria Rambeau or Monica Rambeau, I can't remember, version of Captain Marvel would be any weaker. Mm. Um, she she's like flying through spaceships and smashing through spaceships with like yeah. Although I did watch I did watch the movie again this morning for the third time and um. <laughs> what? Well, various friends have wanted to go and see it, so I've just gone again a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and there was a bit just before she gets crushed where she where um, Scarlet Witch like shears away some of her armor. So I don't know if that's supposed to weaken Maybe. her at all. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think she's meant to need armor. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to be a big nerdy geek. It's a cool scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I just wanted to sort of talk about that for a couple of minutes because I think it's a really um, stupid. You know, it's a silly fan servicey scene, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then what did you think of the final sort of act of the movie? I really like from when they get sent to the evil Doctor Strange world and he has a big musical note fight and then possesses the corpse of Doctor Strange and all of that stuff. Mm. I just thought that was a really like as opposed to a lot of Marvel movies where the final act is let's have a big punch up and shoot a big laser blast yeah. into the sky. This was a bit more of a let's do a few interesting weird little things like throw musical notes at each other and be a zombie and stuff what did you think of that final act it was it was fun it was silly and but also when he went to be a zombie i was just like it's it's kind of creepy enough to make you worry about the character yeah yeah and what did you think of charlie's Theron popping up at the very end oh i don't know (laughs) i don't know i i don't I did I what I didn't like was the third eye that popped up. That is disgusting. That bloody third eye. And why has he got That's a third, third eye, eye now? Because <laughs> of the dark hold. He's been in, he's been messing around in the dark hold, so now he's ah, got a third yeah. eye. Yeah. Um no, it's fine to have Shelley's Theron. I'm I, I'm not sure about her in the Marvel universe, but you know, hopefully it'll be good. Do you know who she's playing? No. She's playing Clea, mm. who is the daughter of Dormammu, the mm. the ruler of the Dark Dimension, who Bene- who Doctor Strange uh, sort of battles with in the first Doctor Strange movie. And in the mm. comics, Clea is, um, ends up becoming the lover of Doctor Strange and marries Doctor Strange. And when Doctor Strange mm. dies in the comic books, Clea becomes the new Sorcerer Supreme of Earth. So... A decently big character, potentially. You know so much about the Marvel Universe. I just watched them and enjoyed the ride. <laughs> well, that's fine. Everyone has their own approach, don't they? That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Well, so that's that's been that's been our sort of Marvel blowout spectacular. Uh, Moon Knight, slightly reserved, but I think positive overall, generally. Definitely worth yeah. a watch. And... Um, yeah, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we both enjoyed a lot as well. So uh, I'm liking the fact that in such a big franchise, different cultures are portrayed and uh, and in a really positive light. And mm-hmm. I quite like that at the moment with Marvel. I think it's being really diverse and I think it's important. Um, yeah, definitely. Agreed completely. Um, and, you know, I don't. they probably don't get it right every time, but they seem like they try, no, yeah. Yeah. which is important. Um, yeah. So, if you were going to recommend to somebody something to watch from your culture catch-up this week, what would it be? Or something to experience? Uh, I definitely think you should uh, watch uh, Lovebirds. 
Lovebirds. You're going with Lovebirds. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, against my better judgment. I'm gonna go with Shining Girls. I think that people should check out Shining Girls. It's uh, it's really it's, there's something to it. There's okay. something to Elizabeth Moss sort of trying to hold on to reality and things while jo- <laughs> Jamie Bell sort of watches her from the shadows. That that's mm. quite compelling. Um, so yeah, go and check that out for sure. Um, next week you will be hearing us um, attempt to <laughs> attempt. <laughs> attempt to review and talk about and discuss the newest Kendrick Lamar album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Uh, double album, 18 tracks, and uh, there's a lot to say about it, and we're not necessarily the most qualified to say any of that, but no. uh, we are passionate about enjoying yeah. or having, you know, engaging with his music so we mm. will we will we will talk about that next week it's going to be um it's going to be a conversation yeah. um <laughs> but in the meantime while you wait for that to come to you please can you go to apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and rate and review us and uh, tell your friends about us and get you know get the word out about what we do if you think people would enjoy it please tell them to listen and um yeah, if you would like to get in touch with us to discuss anything with us, we are available on Instagram and email and uh, various other social media channels, and you can find the information on all of those, along with a list of everything we've discussed in Culture Catch with MyTube in the show notes for this and every episode of the show, so please do go and look there. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great to see you again next week. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.